Welcome in to a Thursday edition of Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Maurice Patton. That's Wade Neely. We are coming to you live from the Lee Company Remote Studios. In one case, I'm actually here in Columbia. Wade is in parts unknown. Nash Vegas. Ah. Up right. up I-65. Been continuing the theme of a wild travel week. And as we discussed right before we went on air, Stay tuned. It could get even crazier as uh, tournaments unfold for our area squads, Mo. Oh, without question. Yeah, you, you know it's going to be frequent flyer miles as we get deeper into the um, high school sports postseason here. So, you know, buckle up. But um, got a great show today. In our next segment, we will be visiting with Nashville Nighthawks flag football coach. Chris Hughes, the American Flag Football League is getting set for its debut professional flag football season and longtime flag football aficionado, Chris Hughes, who night, night lights, I guess, I don't know, as um, football coach at Fairview High School will be joining us. So looking forward to that. Also, in the second hour, we will have CBS Bracketologist, sorry, CBSSports.com Bracketologist Jerry Palm joining us, and we'll talk about some recent developments in college basketball and how those might affect the upcoming NCAA tournament fields. So, also, it's Throwback Thursday, where we like to go back and re-air one of our favorite segments, and we got a pretty good one, even though his team didn't come out on the winning side in Sunday's Super Bowl. We're going to go back and revisit our segment from last week with Tennessee Highway Patrol Lieutenant Benny Jennings, who had a special interest in that 49ers Chiefs game. So we will um, go back and take a look at that. Also, it's Grab Bag, where we kind of touch on some things that need touching on, but don't mm -hmm. need a lot of time. So Just a little love. A little love. We'll sprinkle some on, mm -hmm. as Wade likes to say. So, um, so yeah, um, that's today's show. Looking forward to it. We will also take a look at the Associated Press High School Basketball Top 10s for both boys and girls and, and see how well our area is covered and who they are. So, um, Wade, looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm pumped for a good show. It's Thursday. Uh, we're rolling right into the heart of district basketball tournaments. We got scores to give everybody. We got games coming up tonight. It's going to be a good show as we continue rolling right along here on Main Street. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of games, we should probably give you yesterday's results and today's schedule on the rundown. This is the rundown. from Wednesday night, Christ Presbyterian with a 51-37 win over Answorth. John Overton defeated Antioch 62-34. Stewart's Creek with a 64-17 win over Laverne. Webb defeated Lipscomb Academy 58-32. And Wilson Central defeated Smyrna 60-42. In boys action, Columbia Academy defeated Clarksville Academy 62-46. Coverage of that one in MainStreetMurray.com or at MainStreetMurray.com. Excuse me. Eagleville defeated Moore County 58-49. Webb School with a 60-54 win over Friendship Christian. It was Glencliff 59, Valor 
Complete at 46. Good pasture with a 69-59 win over Battleground Academy. Overton 89, McGavick 55. Lawson defeated Maplewood 48-32. Innsworth with a 56-42 win over Lipscomb Academy. Christ Presbyterian 63, Montgomery Bell Academy 61. Sounds like a barn burner there. Mm -hmm. Providence Christian with a 71-45 win over Ezell Harding. Men's college basketball on Wednesday night. Belmont with an 82-68 win over Southern Illinois. And Tennessee went on the road to Fayetteville and bounced back from that debacle down at College Station with a 92-63 win over the Razorbacks of Arkansas. In the association, it was the Grizzlies 121, the Rockets 113. Good win last night for the Grizz. Dylan Brooks was back in town, but the Grizz got the win last night. Uh, in the rundown continued here. High school basketball action tonight. Uh, these games are most of these games are tipping off at six o'clock unless indicated otherwise summit will travel to brentwood in girls action tonight kirkwood is on the road at clarksville uh or a neutral site i suppose dixon County's at clarksville northwest that game is actually set for 7 30. independence taking on franklin tonight mount juliet will travel to gallatin west creek will play henry county this evening it'll be ravenwood at nolensville rockvale will challenge oakland that game is set for 7 30. Centennial will travel the page this evening. Uh, in 10A district action, it is going to be Richland taking on Santa Fe tonight. That game will be played in Cornersville and can be heard on Pulaski Citizen Live. Rossview will take on Springfield. That game is set for the uh, not often seen, but sometimes in postseason, you got to pull it out. The 7-15 start, 7-15 between Rossview and Springfield tonight. Smith County versus Watertown kicks off. It's uh, tips off at 7-30. Greenbrier takes on White House at 6 p.m. A couple of others uh, in boys basketball tonight. Again, 6 o'clock unless indicated otherwise. Brentwood is at Centennial. East Hickman is taking on Cheatham County. That game is set for 7.30. Page visits Franklin tonight. Macon County will travel to Greenbrier. Harpeth will take on Hickman County. Summit is at Independence in a game uh, that will strike uh, interest in a lot of folks in our listenership and viewership area. Again, that game again for six o'clock smyrna versus uh, lebanon comes your way at 7 30. lewis county taking on loretto our pal scott stewart will be down there providing coverage for the lawrence county advocate of that one green hill takes on mount juliet at 7 30. nolensville travels to ravenwood wilson central versus stewart's creek and the big one tonight it'll be mount pleasant and summertown at 7 30. that is going to be a big time boys basketball showdown this evening yeah that one's down in loretto the back half of that district 10 2a semifinal on the boys side there college basketball tonight doubleheader action 5 30 the freed hardman women will be at cumberland again that's a 5 30 star for the women with the men to follow also at 5 30 fisk goes to dillard kentucky wesleyan is at trebecca and ut southern goes to hattiesburg taking on william carey of mississippi those are all 5 30 women's starts in doubleheader action men's basketball 6 30 at the glass house new mexico state taking on the streaking blue raiders come on <laughs> 7 30 austin p is at central arkansas 7 45 speaking of the 7 15 way 7 45 lipscomb is in florence taking on as chris would say tuna the university of north alabama in women's basketball action tonight six o'clock can Tennessee hand the South Carolina Gamecocks their first loss of the season? We will see at Food City Center. 
at Thompson Bowling Arena. Again, that's a six o'clock tip on ESPN as the Lady Vols take on visiting South Carolina at 6.30. Northern Illinois is at the curb taking on the host Belmont Lady Bruins at seven o'clock. Middle Tennessee State goes out west taking on host New Mexico State and at eight o'clock on the SEC network, Vanderbilt is at Texas A&M hoping for a similar outcome to what the men had mm -hmm. a couple nights ago against the Aggies. In the association, the Bucks are at FedEx Forum taking on the Grizzlies. That's a 7.30 start, and that one's on TNT. Should be interesting. And on the ice, Stars and Predators, 7 o'clock, can be seen both on ESPN Plus and on Hulu. So check out the Preds. That is your rundown. Top story today brought to you as always by Piggly Wiggly over in Neely's Mill in Columbia. And um, I took my own advice, Wade. I actually did check out the delicious daily deli options today. The chicken and dressing was on point. I was, so, I was curious what the review was. It sounds like it was good. It, uh, good might be an understatement. Yeah, man. Um, Good stuff, chicken and dressing. I kind of starched it up a little bit with the sweet potatoes and the mac and cheese, but um, you know, you only live once, right? And it's district tournament time. You got to load up. You got <laughs> there. You go. And the cherry cobbler, man, was um, it was solid. It was a solid, solid lunch here on a Thursday. So um, be sure and get over to Piggly Wiggly again here in Neely's Mill here in Columbia. And uh, in addition to your deli meat and three meat and two options. They've also got hand cut meats and everything is cost plus 10% at the register at Piggly Wiggly here in Columbia. So go check them out. Top story, Tennessee Sports Writers Association's Players of the Week for college basketball were announced earlier this week. And a familiar name for the men's honoree as for the third time this season and second time in two weeks, Carson Newman's John Zhao led the Eagles to a pair of victories, averaging 28 points and nine rebounds in wins over Mars Hill and Lenore Ryan. He had 33 points, eight boards with seven threes in their win against Lenore Ryan. He had 23 points and 10 boards against Mars Hill. And for the year, he's averaging 20.6 points and 5.1 rebounds. So Carson Newman's John Zao getting it done for the Eagles up there in Jefferson City. On the women's side, Clara McGowan of Lipscomb averaged 27 points and 10 rebounds as the Lady Bisons defeated North Florida and Jacksonville. Um, 37 points setting the Lipscomb NCAA era single game scoring record as they defeated North Florida in double overtime. Also had a double double against Jacksonville with 17 points and 11 rebounds. So congratulations to Carson Newman's John Zhao, who is becoming a regular at this, and mm -hmm. Lipscomb's Clara McGowan, the Tennessee Sports Writers Association's 
men's and women's basketball players of the week. Hey, real quick, um, Mo, since you mentioned Carson Newman, uh, how about the Eagles still under the direction, 14 seasons, Chuck Benson, former Martin Methodist College, uh, great coach way back when. Uh, a lot of folks really still reminisce fondly on his tenure there. He is still getting it done at Carson Newman and still recruiting at a high level, it sounds like. Is Yeah, John has kind of been a regular in this segment as of late the last couple Absolutely. of years. Absolutely. And going back a little further than, than Martin Methodist, Chuck Benson really made his name statewide coaching the AAU Tennessee Travelers. And they had some luminaries on those teams when he was coaching those over the, over the summer back in the day. So, yeah, um, Chuck continuing to do a great job up at Carson Newman, like you said, and um, certainly finding some players. Yeah, talent talent uh, is not really an issue. Those guys uh, seem to be playing well, 18-6 and six overall, and getting it done in, uh, uh, at the Division II level there. Absolutely. Wade, after we got off the air yesterday, some really tragic news out of Kansas City as they were um, celebrating their Super Bowl championship, second in as many seasons, having a parade downtown, and a mass shooting one person killed, and I think as upwards of 20 people were injured in the tragic event, um, including 11 children. Uh, just, uh, it's, it's indescribable that something like this would happen ever, but particularly in, a, in an atmosphere like this. Yeah, and you know, uh news was kind of coming out um we didn't really have the firmest of information as our show excuse me as our show was continuing yesterday and as we kind of went off the air and then details just kind of coming out it just unfortunately got worse uh as the reports came out and obviously these are uh, a very unfortunate kind of commonplace in the united states of america but it always kind of strikes you no matter as common as they are it's kind of just to me just still kind of striking and then the juxtaposition of being at a championship parade uh, just unfortunately makes it it's not this it, they are all the same in that sense but it kind of just makes you feel a little bit uh sadder in a, in a way in a sense because it was supposed to be kind of such a joyous occasion and it was uh just marred by tragedy unfortunately yesterday yeah it, it's just it's it's tough to make sense of Anytime something like this happens, like you said, but particularly in a celebratory atmosphere like this, where everybody's just out trying to have a good time and, and enjoy, you know, and an incredible achievement by, you know, the city's football team. And it's, it's just hard to wrap your head around something like this happening three Three people have been taken into custody. Um, again, one, I don't know if she's been officially identified, but apparently a local DJ, Lisa Lopez Galvin, was, was the fatality in this event, according to CBSNews.com. And again, one dead upwards of 20 injured slash wounded in this shooting in Kansas City and it's I don't I don't 
Yeah, not a lot of uh, not a lot of words, unfortunately. Uh, you know, I am reading some reports, and the local police and local authorities have mentioned uh, take this for what it's worth. Uh, but it was a victim of a or the circumstance of a dispute rather than kind of it sounds like a, a potential premeditated uh, attack or a terrorist type situation. So. Mm -hmm. um, Obviously, we don't know the specifics on what sort of kind of dispute unfolded, but anytime something like this happens, I mean, I hate to say it, but yeah, we just keep talking about it and you kind of just run out of things to say because things have already been said and it just kind of unfortunately continues to keep happening and tragedy kind of strikes again yesterday you know, during a time that was supposed to be, like you said, kind of very ceremonial and uplifting. Yeah, yeah, and it's tough. Under the circumstances, I mean, you you go to, you call yourself, you know, going to a celebration, taking your kids to a celebration, that kind of thing. You don't realize that you are, you know, putting yourself in and your loved ones in danger in an atmosphere like this. And it's just, um, it's really tough. Um, when we come back here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint, we will be visiting with Chris Hughes of the National Nighthawks, and we will be giving out some hardware as well. Our Custom Stone Handlers Team of the Week will be presented in the next segment, as well as our Athlete of the Week, sponsored by, well, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back here on Main Street Sports Today. Stay with us. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones & Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. 
Your favorite wine tasting experience is back. The Hendersonville Rotary Club's Wine and Roses Fundraising Gala. Everything you loved and more. Saturday, March the 2nd. Prepare your taste buds for elegant wines, smooth whiskeys, craft beers, and exceptional food. Browse through the silent auction. All to benefit over 25 local charities, schools, and scholarships. Wine and Roses. Saturday, March the 2nd at Our Lady of the Lake Catholic Church, Hendersonville. HendersonvilleRotary.org. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Live under the lights. The city of performers. Putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back to Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Maurice Patton, along with Wade Neely here on a Thursday, prep Thursday. And we typically have a prep coach in our coach's corner, and I guess technically we do today once he gets in, but um, we're not talking to him in his prep capacity. Longtime Fairview football coach Chris Hughes is the coach of the Nashville Nighthawks who will be in their inaugural American Flag Football League season this spring. I think it's a four-team league and I think everybody's going to play twice at everybody else's place, I think is the way that's going to work. It's um, it's an interesting setup. It's going to be fun to watch um, and um, as we Hope to get Chris in here in the next little bit. Um, Wade, yeah, Chris has been around the high school scene for forever, it feels like now, and he has been a longtime flag football player. Looking forward to seeing what he can do as a flag football coach. Yeah, uh, this will be a fun segment, uh, and hopefully we can get Chris in soon as we can so we can spend as much time with him because uh, I'm – pulling up the Nighthawks website. And uh, first of all, the first question I, I got to ask him, well, I'm going to save that. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's a couple questions I got to ask just from a strategic standpoint. And then uh, I'm, I'm real curious, but I'm very excited about this because, um, you know, I don't know if this would appeal to, uh, to most folks, but how about this? Your first game of the season, uh, your inaugural season, or your first game ever, you get to fly out to Vegas uh, on April go. 27th. So, I mean... Not exactly starting, uh, you know, in Des Moines or anything by any stretch. Well, I mean, unfortunately, they won't be at Allegiant 
stadium, but they will be in Vegas, and um, I'm sure that'll be pretty exciting for them. I'll tell you what, I'm, when he gets on here, I got to ask him about this logo and some gear, because that looks pretty sweet. Yeah, kind of a cool logo, uh, and I like we got the TriStar mixed in there, mm -hmm. and, and I think um, outside of this show, which obviously is, is kind of what we like to do, we like to kind of br bring things that maybe don't get as much attention. Outside of the show, I had not really heard much, uh, certainly didn't know that Chris was involved, and you're right. Talk about a guy that's been around the game a long time. Uh, Giles County used to spend a lot of years in Fairview's district, and... Those are not very fun uh, road trips, but I mean that in the most polite way possible. Uh, very hostile environment, very well-coached team. And Dallas <laughs> County was, you know, had some of their better squads that were usually running through a lot of teams. But when Fairview was on the schedule or it was home or away, you knew you were going to get a good uh, showdown, and he's obviously continued that. Yeah, he's done a great job for a long time over at Fairview, quiet as it's kept. He's the dean of Williamson County High School football coaches. I, I, I was unaware of that, but I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense, right? Because he, he's been there uh, for, for quite some time now. Yeah, and, you know, coaching at his alma mater, which is always exciting as well. So, um, like you said, they opened the season the last weekend in April out at Vegas. There's um, four teams in the league, Nashville, Vegas, Dallas, and Boston. And, like I said, everybody's going to kind of rotate around. So, you'll play... All four of those teams will play in Vegas to open the season, followed by Dallas, Boston, and then May 18th, they'll be here in Nashville playing at the Vanderbilt Soccer and Lacrosse Stadium. And then they will complete that circuit a second time in the same order, coming back to Nashville in the final weekend of the season on June 15th, followed by the championship weekend on June 22nd at the Ford Center at the Star in Frisco. So... That ought to be pretty exciting as well. So you're going to start it up in Vegas, finish it up at the Star in Dallas, and, and some pretty good activity there in between. So, again, um, we are now joined by Nashville Nighthawks coach Chris Hughes. Coach? Hey, Mo. How's it going? I, I see you got the gear on there, right? Yeah. Hey, got my yeah. shirt. Got a little... Uh... Got some AFFL stuff in the background here, trying to prepare, uh, do a good job promoting our new brand. It's all about the branding, man. Um, we really like this logo that you've got up on the website with the with the Nighthawk and the TriStar and all that. What we got to do to get some of that? Man, just show up. Like, so okay. You guys, we'll uh, get you that first home game. It'll be a good time that May 18th if you guys can come out. We'll get you suited up with some Nighthawks gear, try to get you some media credentials and uh, get you down there on the field. Hey, we, we, we just might take you up on that. Um, you got a big weekend coming up, not this weekend, but next weekend. Tell us a little bit about it. We've got our second OTA. I've got uh, about 16, 18 guys coming back. I got to get it down to 12. We had uh, about 20 at our last one. We had to get it down. So we, uh, we are making our last final adjustments to the roster. And we're also installing offense, defense. We got people coming in from Louisiana, uh, Florida, uh, different places, and then a lot of local talent too. It's about half and half right now, about nine and nine. So we got to get that down to 12 uh, by the next OTA. 12, and you play with seven, obviously, right? Hello? Did we lose Chris? 
I think you uh, froze, Coach. Though. Oh, he froze up. Chris, you with us? <laughs> hey, now you play with seven, right? Is that right? Been on seven. We're a twelve-man roster, so we've got to get that down and uh, and see. And that OTA is a good time to install things and and uh, make sure we've got the right people on offense and defense. Now you've got a twelve-man roster. You play seven on seven. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb. You you have some guys going both ways. Have to, yeah. Hey, uh, you're really good with numbers there. Uh, <laughs> but I, I will say this: the more people you can have that can go both ways, the better your team's going to be. So we have almost everyone we have can play either side of the ball. Uh, some are, you know, in my opinion, better than others, and uh, some guys we're going to rely on to, to not come off the field at all. Um, and two games on, on those Saturdays, one in the afternoon, one at night. But these guys are super athletes and in great shape. I don't think that's going to be a problem. Chris, I'm curious, as you come into this new endeavor, uh, especially since it is seven on seven and with obviously your tenure at Fairview, do you approach this from a brand new fresh scheme perspective or do you kind of just take a little bit of stuff that you've learned and, uh, you know, kind of tweaked over the years at the high school level and implement, how does your uh, game plan, I guess, kind of come to fruition? Well, the, the flag, the passing concepts are a lot. If you, if you mm -hmm. compare it to high school, it's the seven on seven that we do in the summers, like in July and uh, late June, you know, getting ready for the uh, season where it's just the skill guys, you know, you got your linebackers, your corners and your DBs. And then on offense, you got your receivers and your running backs and your quarterbacks. So that's kind of – I use some of those concepts, but a lot of the stuff we also do are, are flag football concepts. I also coach the Fairview High School girls flag team. So some of those concepts are the things we do with the girls. So if you think about taking a little bit of that seven-on-seven, seven, some of that high school girls, and then really adding in a lot of the – what I do when I travel and play some of those plays and concepts is what we're doing on, on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And as, as people ask me in the summer, you know, how does the, how do, uh, how does Giles County look for instance? And I say, well, it's seven on seven. And some folks say, well, what is that essentially? And you try and explain it a little bit. Uh, how close is seven on seven to flag? I guess what are maybe some real key differences uh, in those two particular realms? Well, seven on seven is one hand touch from the knees to the uh, neck area. So you can't mm -hmm. get into the head and, the, and below the knees, but it's one hand touch. Here you've got to actually pull a flag. There's a lot of difference. And a lot of people, you know, with the, with the Olympics having it, and there's a lot of talk about the pro guys, how good they would be at pulling flags and that kind of thing. But it is a skill to it. And also avoiding pulling a flag. Mm -hmm. Like in seven on seven, they're really just, when the guy gets to him, he touches him. You know, you can make moves here to avoid having your flag pulled. So a little more dynamic as far as ability to stretch the field, ability to make big plays because you have to pull a flag. And these guys are really good at, at, uh, quarter turn, half turn, spin, uh, dip, you know, ways to make you really mm -hmm. have to work to get their flag off. That's interesting. You know, I watched, obviously I've watched some of the girls flag and seen that aspect of the game, Chris, the, the actual pulling of the flag. And like you said, it's not necessarily as easy as you would think it is just, just conceptualizing the game, but there's a skill in either pulling the flag or keeping your flag from being pulled. So that's um, it's a pretty big deal. Um, Chris Hughes, coach of the Nashville Nighthawks of the American Flag Football League, joining us here on Main Street Sports today on Coach's Corner. And um, Chris, how did you find yourself 
in this position? I mean, you've been around flag, obviously, a long, for a long time. You've been coaching at the high school level in 11-man tackle for quite a long time. How, how did you wind up coaching professional flag football? Well, I have played flag football since shoot, we was at MTSU together, Mo, which was, I don't remember how many years ago. Uh, but I've been doing this for over 35 years. I've traveled all over the country playing flag football. So this came about because the AFFL, the league that I'm now a coach in, I entered my team in in a U.S. Open tournament for a million dollars in 2018 or 19. And they took 128 teams, played a single elimination for a million-dollar tournament. And it was on NFL Network, big things. And we made it to the final eight. And they almost didn't let me in. Uh, so they said, you're too old. You're not going to be. I said, well, a lot of teams you got in, we beat them all the time. So they let us in, and we made it to the round of eight and got eliminated in Pittsburgh. But that's how I ended up knowing Jeff Lewis, the owner of the league, that's how I had an interview with Tony Saragusa that got some uh, went viral, had a lot of hits on it. And then I had a highlight video that was was pretty good. So but my contacts through flag, my friends, the people I know, the people I play with, I know almost everyone that's anyone in the flag football world. So the uh, AFFL called me and said, hey, would you like to be? I could not. I, I'm pinching myself, Maurice. I'm about to get paid to coach a sport that I absolutely love and would do for free. So uh, it's unreal. You know, it'd be like if somebody called you, Mo, and the favorite thing you like to do, they're going to pay you to do it. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? It would indeed. It would indeed. Uh, <laughs> the Boston Brigade, the Dallas Ocelots, and the Las Vegas Lucky Sevens will be joining the Nashville Nighthawks in the inaugural season of the American Flag Football League. Chris, what do you think about this, you know, this concept of professional flag football and the way they're starting it. And what do you think the plans are past 2024? Well, I, I'm, you know, I think the league has to be able to sustain itself. We need fans, which is where you come in, getting the word out. Um, I think it's really going to be big, Maurice. What I think you'll see is a lot of the youth, the young people that play flag that are in the West Nashville Sport Leagues that are in uh, Mid-State Sport Leagues that are in Williamson County Sport League, different leagues mm -hmm. all over the state. I think those young guys are going to want to come out and see this, and we're going to try to be a presence in the community, be around those guys and, and let them know. And I think, that, you know, if you look at it, there's going to be a ton of guys this year that are going to get into an NFL, into an NFL team's summer. You know, they're going to get a tryout. They're going to get to go there. They may not get drafted, but they're going to get into that camp. And when they get cut, you got to go to work. Well, here's a chance for those guys if they, you know, can try out for a pro flag team next year. So I think the longevity of it is us putting, you know, selling tickets and having an interest in it and watching. But flag football is growing, Maurice. It's the fastest growing sport. It's past soccer. It's going to be in the Olympics. You see the NFL guys playing the Pro Bowl. They're playing flag. Uh, the women's game is growing tremendously. I expect to have pro women's flag eventually. So uh, I just think the longevity of it, it's it's a sport that people were going to like to. If we make it like I think it is, you're going to see some crazy good athletes, some crazy plays that we're hoping in, in, excites people and gets people to come out and watch. 
Absolutely. And yeah, I think a lot of the uh, potential growth coach for this is going to come from those viral, undoubtedly, you know, if you've watched any flag football, you know, you just jaw drops when you see a guy just absolutely juke a couple guys out of his shoes. And so I think those clips uh, will definitely potentially help the growth. I'm curious, you kind of mentioned a little bit about your roster, but kind of maybe just speak to it a little more, especially kind of some local flavor uh, or as much as you can, I suppose, at this point, um, because that kind of could be a unique selling point, too, in terms of fan interest. It is. One of the best local players is Michael Green. Played at Cumberland, you know, Cumberland College. So here's a here's a guy that's, you know. Cumberland University. Cumberland University. Yeah, they, they get upset when you call them college. So, yeah. Um. <laughs> I had to correct myself. I've been to Cumberland University this year to watch a couple of my old guys play. So, um, But I will say this. Uh, he's one of the best players around. And, again, you're talking about NFL-type speed, NFL-type talent, just maybe not as big. So those guys, like you were talking about Giles County, some slot receiver that can't go to college because he's 5'5 five, five and 140 pounds can come in here. If he's quick twitch and can fly, he might can make an impact in flag football. So Michael Green is one, uh, a guy that played for me here at Fairview and then went to college and played, and now he's back. Nick Harvey, he is one of the best players in there. He's going to be on the team. Gerotus Williams played the NFL for three years, married a BGA girl, lives in Nashville. He'll be on the roster, very electric guy. And uh, those local guys are really good, but I have guys coming from Florida. Mark Sexel, our quarterback, I feel like he's the best player in the country. And uh, Velt Brown, one of the most electric young players, just – can stop and start on a dime and go full speed. It's it's crazy to watch it and and to just see how athletic and how fast the flag football game is played. Chris Hughes, Nashville Nighthawks flag football coach, joining us here on Main Street Sports today on Coach's Corner. Chris, Yao and I, when we when we are on here, whenever we're talking about football, eventually the phrase gets used that it's a quarterback-driven league. Is that the same in flag football, in professional flag football as well? You mentioned Mark Sexel. I mean, is that going to be the case here as well? He, he is a key. The difference in this, Maurice, is that the quarterbacks you see in the NFL that a lot of people don't give a lot of credit to. I'll give you an example. Lamar Jackson, great quarterback. I think he can throw the ball as well as just about anybody. But all you ever hear about are his legs. You know, he's able to run. He's able to do this. He's a running quarterback. Well, in this league, you need to be a running quarterback. You need to be able to avoid the rush. You need to be able to find receivers. You've got to be able to throw and run. So if you ask me in NFL who would, you know, come to the flag game and be dynamic, Michael Vick has played in this league. Uh, and and uh, he's, he's a great one. Lamar Jackson is somebody now I think would be absolutely electric. Jalen Hurts. So those are the kind of guys. But you're going to see the guys like that in smaller bodies. Like Hoosh, Daryl Hoosh Doucette is one of the most popular flag players. He's quarterbacking for Vegas. Hoosh is electric with the ball in his hands. He can throw it. He can run it. He can spin. He, can, he does so much, and it's going to be so. But it is. You better have a good quarterback that can run and can throw and can make good decisions. So, you know, I think in any football, even Maurice, when I go watch my young kids play, you know, my, the high school girls, uh, my son's 11U team, the team with the best quarterback is usually right there in the mix of things. So this schedule, again, Chris, um, you open up April 27th out at Vegas. I guess those will be double headers every date 
Every day will be two games. It'll be an afternoon session and an evening session. So you can get tickets to either one, um, and it'll be different opponents. So you may see Boston play Nashville in the afternoon, and that night Boston and Vegas will play, and Nashville will play Dallas. So you'll have back-to-back games. But the cool thing is you can watch two flag football teams play full professional games within a three-hour block or less, which – you know, sometimes those games can get kind of long, even at the Titans games, you know, if it's, you know, they're, they're, it, those games can last a long time. And, and we're trying to get it in because this will be televised. And uh, we've got a con- contract with Brinks TV to, to put the games out, and uh, which is a new uh, thing. They're, they're hitting a lot of sports venues. But I think that it will be a great family time to come out to an afternoon session, a night session, and it is going to be family-oriented, kid-friendly. It's going to be everything that you would want to take your kids and cousins and, and high school friends and all of that stuff to come out and watch some pro flag football. I think it's going to be very entertaining, and I expect it to to really take off, Maurice. You know, three or four years from now, we may be talking again, and this be at a whole different place. That's awesome. Chris Hughes of the Nashville Nighthawks joining us here on Coach's Corner on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. To find out more about the Nighthawks, you can go to www.affl.com slash Nashville Nighthawks. Um, Ticket information for them is on there. Um, Are those OTAs open to the public next weekend, Chris? They are not. They are Ah. not. Media, but they're not open to the public. No, they're oh, club. Okay. A lot okay. of videoing and getting uh, everything ready for the season. So they're going to release a lot of clips from them, but we're closing the OTAs except to uh, approved media people. Okay. All right. Um, and the same weekend is wrestling. So I know a lot of people will be at the wrestling thing, but we're going to send out some clips and highlights and stuff. They'll be able to see kind of what we did at, it, at each OTA. And the more, the closer we get, um, the, the more that we'll have that out there. So, okay. but you're All always right. welcome, Mo. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. The Nighthawks, again, will be at Vanderbilt Soccer and Lacrosse Stadium on May 18th and again on June 15th. So um, look out for, again, ticket information and scheduling, that type thing then. Chris, we appreciate it, man. Man, I appreciate you having me on. Chris, Mo, thanks a lot. And I expect to see you all at one of those games. We'll see what we can do, man. Absolutely. Thank you, Coach. Hey, before we go to a break, want to hand out a little hardware, starting with our athlete of the year. Um, athlete of the year, athlete of the week, who's brought to you by <laughs> Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint and the Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. Spring Hill sophomore Kyle Nielsen had a couple of pins and a decision en route to the 120-pound championship at the region 6 AA tournament last weekend in franklin he will be in action this saturday in the section 3 AA tournament up at independence and he is our athlete of the week this week so congratulations to him also our custom stone handlers team of the week is columbia academy they won the division 2a district 3 championship Um, the tournament championship Saturday night in double overtime against Battleground Academy up at Grace Christian. They won three games in that tournament last week. They have now won 12 straight, counting last night's region quarterfinal victory. So the CA Bulldogs boys basketball team is our 
Custom Stone Handlers in to win life team of the week. Congratulations to the Bulldogs. Congratulations to Spring Hill sophomore Kyle Nielsen. Excuse me. And we will talk a little bit more high school basketball when we come back here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stay with us. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Your favorite wine tasting experience is back. The Hendersonville Rotary Club's Wine and Roses Fundraising Gala. Everything you loved and more. Saturday, March the 2nd. Prepare your taste buds for elegant wines, smooth whiskeys, craft beers, and exceptional food. Browse through the silent auction. All to benefit over 25 local charities, schools, and scholarships. Wine and Roses. Saturday, March the 2nd at Our Lady of the Lake Catholic Church, Hendersonville. HendersonvilleRotary.org. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back to 
the Thursday edition of Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Maurice Patton. That is Wade Neely, and we're taking a look at this week's Associated Press Top 10 Boys and Girls Basketball Polls. We'll start on the boys' side, where Cordova, Bartlett, Cookville, and Siegel continue to occupy the top four spots in the Class 4A poll. Cordova taking all 10 first-place votes this week. Independence moving up from eight to five behind Mr. Football, I'm sorry, Mr. Basketball finalist, Jet Montgomery there. Um, Bearden coming in at six, holding at six from last week. Hillsborough moves up a couple of spots from seven to nine. Ravenwood drops a spot from seven to eight. Ray County and Beach rounding out the top 10. Wade, I don't know how much 4A basketball you've seen this year, but um, any thoughts? <laughs> I haven't seen a ton. Uh, the only uh, real bearing I, or uh, what's the word frame of reference I have mm -hmm. is I know uh, Ravenwood came down to the Richland Christmas Classic, played both uh, Richland and Santa Fe, and uh, seemed to be playing well at the time. And the games, the scores that that uh, during that time were relatively close, so I had assumed maybe Ravenwood not doing as well this year. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised to find out that, yeah, they not only have been playing well, they've been playing really well. So very nice to see them checking in at eight. Uh, Cordova taking all 10 of the first place votes with just the one loss. Uh, you know, we it feels like we hardly ever see it just truly be all chalk at the end of this thing, but it seems like there's certainly going to be a team to be dealt with uh, going in uh, to potential run to Murfreesboro. Absolutely. You mentioned that Ravenwood team. They are hosting the District 10 4A tournament once it gets to the semifinals. They start with quarterfinal action tonight and then they go semifinals on Saturday. And again, it'll all be there at Ravenwood. So that should be some interesting competitive basketball there for sure with two top 10 teams on the boys' side. In 3A, uh, you've got Fulton again at number one, again, taking all 10 of the first place votes, followed by Fayette Ware, which is tied with Dyer County, a couple of teams from out west there. Um, Mumford at four, tied with Upperman. Um, Ridgeway coming in at six, up two spots from eight. Bolivar falls from three to seven. Lawrence County falls from four to eight. Uh, Davy Crockett and Dyersburg rounding out your top 10. And Lawrence County, Wade, is a team that you do have some familiarity with. Yeah, this is a very, very strong Lawrence County team. They have uh, stumbled just a couple of times, uh, which is why we see them slide from uh, being in the top five there to eight. But uh, the thing about Lawrence County, uh, they remind me of a, a little deeper and a little bit stronger and taller Giles County team from last year that obviously made it to the final four. They, and when I say that, they can beat you with a number of different players. And if one kid is not having a great night, uh, there's usually two or three backup options. They seem to be very unselfish. Uh, so I find uh, them potentially in line to make a run. And two two quick things. Uh, Fulton, they're 26-2. and two, And again, they got all 10 first-place votes. They're, one of their only two losses came to Murfreesboro Central Magnet at the Page Christmas Classic earlier this year. And that had snapped their long unbeaten run after winning it all last year. So uh, 3A seems like it could be pretty wide open. And, Mo, I'd be, I'd be remiss if I finally didn't mention – um, 
I don't think they did it on purpose, but you just got to love seeing Lawrence County and David Crockett uh, side by side. Right next to each other there. And, you know, what do we got to do to potentially get those teams to eventually play each other or maybe a Murfreesboro? There you go. There we go. If it's going to if nothing else. Absolutely. In 2A, Douglas out of Memphis is your number one team still, 27-0. and 0. They grabbed eight of the ten first-place votes. The other two do, going to second-place Gatlinburg-Pittman. Tyner at three, Kingston at four. All four of those occupied those same spots a week ago. Ripley moves up a couple of spots to five, followed by South Green, Westmoreland. Grundy County and Whites Creek are tied at eight, and Camden at ten. Also receiving votes. Loretto and Mount Pleasant. Just beware of that because those two are kind of on a collision course. They both play semifinal games in 10-2A tonight down at Loretto. The host Mustangs taking on Lewis County and Mount Pleasant looking to beat Summertown for a third time. And if they both win, then they would play in the championship game of that district on Saturday night down in Loretto. So Yeah, 2A looks... Uh very stacked as well. Douglas, who uh, is the team that eliminated Giles County last year in the 2A semifinals, they're unbeaten. They basically uh, returned everybody from last year, which is kind of scary. So uh, 2A is kind of on notice, uh, even though Douglas didn't win it all last year. It looks like they could uh, make a deep run. But you make a great point, Mo. I love that Loretto and Mount Pleasant both represented here. They played so well all season, and you said it best. They are on a collision course Um I would not be shocked if they see each other um, maybe even twice during this mm -hmm. postseason, potentially. That's exactly. the way it's kind of looking out, right? Yeah, yeah. wouldn't surprise you at all if it played out that way. M1A, Harriman moves to the top, well, is at the top of the 1A poll for a second straight week. They got eight of nine first-place votes. Um, Union City with the other one, they are number two, up from three. Santa Fe, which had been number one, before an unfortunate ankle injury by Alden Slaughter, back up to number three now, 20 and four are the Wildcats. Pickett County at four, Humboldt, Middleton, Chattanooga Prep, Houston County, South Pittsburgh, and Memphis Academy of Science and Engin Engineering. Mace to some. Round out your top 10 in 1A. In Division 2, 2A, you've got Briarcrest, Knoxville Webb, Pope Prep, Brentwood Academy, and Baylor. And in Division 2A, it's Silverdale, First Assembly Christian, the aforementioned Columbia Academy coming in at number three, um, Providence Christian at four, and Good Pasture is at number five. All three of them will be in action tomorrow night over at Middle Tennessee Christian in the Middle Region semifinals, um, number three, Columbia Academy, number four, Providence Christian, and number five, Good Pasture. So um, should be some great basketball tomorrow night over at MTCS. Yeah, and props to CA. That uh, seems like they've just been on a, a tear and they just haven't slowed down yet. So they jump up officially. You know, we've kind of maybe thought they should have been in the top five all year, or at least for the last couple of weeks, but uh, mm -hmm. good to see them represented there at the number three slot. Again, they have now won 12 straight following last night's win over Clarksville Academy. Their last loss was on January 9th at Battleground Academy. They have since beaten BGA twice. Mo, in so. that 1A poll, uh, update me if you could, or update us, I guess. Uh, what is Slaughter's uh, status? Because that, if he's healthy and back to where he was, obviously that changes a lot in terms of Santa Fe's projection. 
Well, I don't know if he's back to where he was necessarily, but he did play in their regular season finale against Kalioka last Friday night, and he went for 46-7. and seven. Okay, fair enough. Uh, it seems like he's, he's on the way back. And if he's not all the way back, he's pretty close. And as you said earlier, that's kind of um, putting everybody else on notice a little bit. Yeah. Especially, yeah. especially with the Mr. Basketball situation. Yep, left off the ballot. Uh, we discussed that on this show uh, exactly uh, a week ago today, mm -hmm. and it'd be it'd be a nice little storyline to see him get back, get healthy, and and make a postseason run. I like single A. You got Harriman, who's been at the top almost all year. They got eight of the votes. Union City. Uh, who was a really good two-A team last year and dropped down to single A. Mm -hmm. And then Santa Fe right in there. So, I mean, I think you have some really good – Chattanooga Preps, the state tournament team from last year that basically right. brought a lot of their kids back. So this should – single A should be fun, I think, as we get deeper into the postseason. Single A could be a war, definitely worth watching. On the girls' side, Bradley Central, 25-1, and one, continues to hold the number one spot, getting all 10 first-place votes, undefeated Clarksville number two, moving up from three. So, you know, I guess undefeated means something. I don't know. But um, Bearden is three, followed by Coffee County, Sevier County, Cookville, Brentwood at seven, Lebanon at eight, Campbell County, and Morristown East rounding out the top 10 in 4A girls. In 3A, you've got White County and Upperman, who I believe are in the same district. Is that right? Uh, yes, that is correct, which is uh, that region that you and I were discussing that Giles mm -hmm. County uh, and Lawrence County are in. Man, so White County is number one. They got nine of ten first place votes. Upperman is two, getting the other first place vote. Heritage out of Maryville is three, followed by Chester County, Dyersburg, David Crockett, Jackson Southside, Crockett County, Clinton, and at number ten, Cock County and Signal Mountain are tied. So... Um, but it all starts behind White County and Upperman in 3A. In 2A, McMinn Central is at number one, again, getting eight of 10 first place votes. Gibson County with one first place vote is second. Gatlinburg-Pittman got the remaining first place vote. They are third, and Loretto is at number four. Each of them held those same spots last week. Huntington, Cheatham County, Summertown are five, six, and seven. Westview, York Institute, and Cannon County are 8, 9, and 10. And again, Loretto and Summertown each won their district semifinal games and will play in tomorrow night's championship game down in Loretto. They split be, during the regular season. Yeah, that is going to be an absolute battle uh, between those two teams. And glad Loretto didn't stumble, uh, even though they had a tough loss. It was versus a Richland team. Uh, that's also featured in this poll. So uh, mm -hmm. good to see you there sitting there in the top five. And then Summertown's right on the cusp. It is going to be a fun, fun matchup between those two teams. And then obviously, again, kind of like uh, with Mount Pleasant on the boys' side, wouldn't be shocked at all if you see Loretto and Summertown perhaps meet up down the road in the region. It's always a treat when Loretto and Summertown play in anything. And so if you've got nothing to do tomorrow night and you don't mind a drive, running down to Loretto for Loretto Summertown girls, you can do things worse. Um, in class 1A, Wayne County with eight first place votes is the number one team yet again. Pickett County picks up a first place vote. They move from second to third. Cloudland is number three. 
Those Richland Lady Raiders that Wade was just mentioning are at four, followed by Sunbright, McKenzie, Sale Creek, Middle College, Moore County, and East Robertson. The Lady Indians moving into the poll at number 10. They are 19 and four. Um, in Division 2-2A, it's Knoxville Catholic, Father Ryan, Hutchison out of Memphis, Knoxville Webb and Chattanooga Christian are your top five teams. And in D2A, Good Pasture is number one, followed by Providence Christian, Silverdale, University School of Jackson, and, and Christian Academy of Knoxville. So those are your AP polls for this week. I think next week's poll will be the last as we get deeper into the postseason. So um, Keep an eye out for that. When we come back here on Main Street Sports today, we will be joined by CBSSports.com bracketologist Jerry Palm. He's going to tell us who's where now. So stay tuned. We thrive under the lights. A city of performers putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. I'm Maurice Patton, and on Main Street Sports Today, we bring you the voices of your favorite teams from preps to pros. Um, otherwise known as the VOT, Mike Keith. The, the bottom line is, we can teach Will Levis woke. I just don't know who's going to work with you on your base stealing now that he was. <laughs> well, that has nowhere to go but up. And I was just like, oh, guys, not again. Can we just bury that, burn that footage, and not bring it back? No. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll uh, we'll keep it going past the All-Star break. And uh, looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season plays out. There's always a good story to tell. Can you guess where I am today, Mo? Where, where am I? It's, it's Reece not Smith, Reece Smith Fitt, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So anytime you play Chicago, you want to win. That's you, just you got that right, and that's, you know, <laughs> a buzz. You know, when you're walking the dog, you keep the bags that you need for the dog in the bag, and you don't even have to wear it. You can just hold it, which is what I do when I walk the dog. So I think I think the fanny pack probably needed a little rebranding. <laughs> it did. So, it really did. Um, it, it, on your show logo, we've got to get a puck in there. There's a basketball. There's a oh. there's a baseball. Maybe mm-hmm. it's not a puck. How about Mo brandishes a hockey stick? Tune in daily at 2 p.m. on Main Street Media TV. Welcome back to the second hour of the prep 
Thursday edition of Main Street Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We are now joined by Jerry Palm of CBS Sports talking a little bracketology. Jerry. Hey. Good afternoon. Hey. How you guys doing? Doing well. How doing about well. you? Uh, I'm doing all right for now. Check with me about 1030 or so when the Purdue game's <laughs> over. Now, you do this every day? Do I do what every day? This this bracketology update is that an every oh, that's, yeah, update? Um, at some point, I'll be doing them every day, but you know, for now, it's Mondays and Fridays. Although I did one today uh, instead of Friday because uh, we have the bracket reveal show where the committee gives us their top sixteen. Uh, they've been doing that for six or seven years now, a month before Selection Sunday, and uh, so we'll have that this week, and so I'll have another bracket Saturday based off of that. Uh, so we we decided to skip Friday this week. Okay. All right. Um, I think Wade had a question about some results from last night and what impact they might have. So, Wade, the floor is yours. Well, uh, I guess first things first, Jerry, let's uh, dive in. Um, how big of a dent did last night's debacle for South Carolina uh, put into their potential seeding, and, and where do they kind of sit as they stagger out of that one? Yeah, I think I've got them as a four, um, maybe the last of my fours. It, you know, if Auburn wasn't doing that to everybody, it would look worse. But they're doing that to everybody. It's, I, I even wrote about this a little bit today. Auburn's played 25 games. 21 of them have had double-digit margins. Uh, the, the four single-digit margins were all losses, and then they lost once by, uh, I want to say, 15 uh, but all of their wins, every one of them, double digits. So they're killing everybody. Um, and it's, you know, so I, why should South Carolina be any different? Yeah, so they either lose close or win big then. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was watching, I guess, um, Vanderbilt and AM a couple of nights ago, and there was a graphic that. They are project that nine SEC teams are projected. Is that still the number? I mean, yeah, it is. But um, both Mississippi's are among the last four in. Uh, A and M is right above that group, so it's precarious uh, for for all of those teams. I, I take that back. Mississippi State is not in the last four in. They're fifth. Uh, but then uh, Mississippi is in the last four. In. They're the second to last team. In. Your number ones in the bracket predictions that are currently up that, that went up this afternoon, I guess, 1207 yeah. is what this says. That's right. Purdue, UConn, Arizona, and Houston are your number ones. Um, your number twos are Marquette, Tennessee, Kansas, and North Carolina. Who is the closest number three to upsetting that hierarchy there, you think? Baylor. Uh, in fact, I almost put Baylor up there ahead of Kansas. Um, it's, Kansas has had a rough go on, in the, on the road in conference play uh, where they seem to be losing to just about everybody, um, and including you know the – lower teams in the league, like West Virginia, their worst loss of the season, the road loss for Kansas. So they really struggled in conference play away from home. Um, but it hasn't been enough yet for Baylor to surpass them. But it's 
that's pretty close. Uh, the ones are pretty solid, though. Purdue, Connecticut, Houston have um, been up there now for a while. The fourth spot's been a revolving door, uh, currently Arizona, um, and that could change. It, it's been pretty fluid, but uh, Purdue, UConn, Houston, in that order, has been pretty solid for a while now. It feels kind of tough to ding anybody for getting beat on the road because everybody seems to be getting beat yeah. on the road. Well, right. I mean, if, and if everybody is getting beat on the road, then it, 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 it won't stand out if you get beat on the road, right? It's uh, uh, the, the teams that are be able to win on the road are the ones that will stand out. Yeah, this year has been really tough. Uh, the, the percentage, I think, for top 10 teams against unranked opponents is, is like half what it usually is in terms of wins uh, on, on the road. That's been a weird year. Uh, for that sort of a thing, and it's—I don't—I mean, you can't say it's a trend. One year's not a trend, but it's definitely been a rough year for the higher-rated teams when they hit the road. Jerry, uh, coming out of that Texas Tech-Kansas game, I guess I got two questions, and you kind of touched on one: uh, worst loss for Kansas or better win for Texas Tech, I guess. And then also, kind of looking at Texas Tech's schedule, they're sitting right near the top. Is that a win that can maybe do they potentially if? Uh, Houston kind of stumbles, or even I guess Iowa State. Do they have a chance to maybe make a sneaky run at the regular season title in the Big Twelve? Oh, they might. Um, you know, I don't really pay attention to the conference standings. I know it's going to sound weird, except you know where Purdue's involved. I guess I do, but, mm-hmm. uh, but that's the fanboy. That's not the bracket guy. Um, you know, the the conference standings are not criteria for selection and seeding in the NCAA tournament. Conference standings are kind of useless. However, Texas game back, so. You know, yeah, they're they're in position with three weeks to go in the regular season to possibly end up winning the league. And I think that would be one of the bigger surprises of this season if they were able to actually pull it off. And then, uh, I guess, um, yeah, that would, in theory, I suppose, potentially maybe as uh, you kind of glance at their stand, a lot of folks maybe have them around a six or seven type realm. How high could Texas Tech maybe potentially ride some of this momentum, uh, even though I know Kansas is a little dinged up, but they got a huge win the other night. Yeah, you know, if, if Tech were to get hot and stay hot, you know, and, and actually make a significant run, I mean, they've got games at Iowa State. They get TCU and Texas and Baylor at home. Uh, they have three other road games against non-contenders in the league, you know. So if they can get hot and, and, you know, make a run to the top of this thing, they can get – you know, into the three seed type territory. I don't know if they can do much better than that, but maybe yeah. if they win the conference tournament, they've lost too many games though right now to really be considered for a one. Jerry, other than the prestige of it, how much difference is there in a one and a two? And I ask you this because, you know, there was some thought that UT might be able to get to a number one a couple of weeks ago, right before they had that loss at home to South Carolina. I mean, um, is is the difference between one and two that significant once you get into it, the tournament? It is in the first round uh, because the 16s are significantly uh, worse than the 15s. At that part of the bracket, the, the, the lower-seeded teams, 13, 14, 15, 16s, the gap between the teams and the lines are, are much greater then once you get to like the 12s uh, on up. Um, so yeah, for the first round, it's an advantage. Um, the second round, you know, after that, it's, it's all kind of a crapshoot. Uh, but for the first round, it is, yeah. Also, That's- the nice thing about being a one seed versus a two is that 
you're pretty much going to get geographic preference as a one. As a two, you might get moved out of a preferred spot because the one in your region might be a team in your conference or there's some other mm -hmm. conflict involved. So the higher up you are, the better geographic preference you get. That said, Tennessee as a two in Memphis wouldn't be awful. No, that that's about as good as Tennessee can get in terms of geographic preference is uh, is getting to start the tournament in Memphis. Now, again, talking about Tennessee, they are what eighteen and six now with that win last night over at Arkansas. Um, obviously, their non-conference schedule was sadistic. So, yeah, but but that's it. I mean, is is that going to keep them off the one line? I mean, if they were to somehow win out, is there a way? Is there a path to one for oh, them? Yeah. Do you think? Sure. Um, you know, the Tennessee, Arizona, Marquette, Carolina, Kentucky. Uh, I'd even throw Baylor in there. All have a path to to a number one seed because there's not that much separation among that group of teams. So if somebody does get hot, uh, and right now the, the four spots are revolving door because nobody is hot, but if somebody does get hot, at, at some point you have a chance to push to that top line and maybe not even be the fourth overall number one. You might be able to push to number three, uh, and if Purdue or UConn were to collapse at some level, maybe even higher than that. But it's you know it's going to take consistently good play over time to separate from a pack of teams trying to run away from the fourth number one seat. Jerry, I got to ask you that uh, kind of a hot button or hot topic as of late was obviously a discussion about uh, Indiana State and with the loss the other night, did that pretty much, how close were they to pretty much needing obviously just to win the tournament to get in and did that loss the other night really officially kind of write that into formality there that they got to win this tournament now? It's that's a tough loss to overcome. Uh, they don't have, you know, a win over a team that's going to be in the tournament. They played Alabama and Michigan State on the road in non-conference play. Uh, weren't able to win either of those games. Uh, so really, you know, they had played a, a decent schedule. Uh, they didn't have a bad loss or anything remotely resembling a bad loss. And then they take a quad four loss at home. Uh, that's going to be hard to overcome in terms of an at-large berth. I'm not going to entirely rule it out, uh, but that you know, when you're a team like that, uh, Grand Canyon's another example uh, of a team that could maybe find itself in an at-large position if it needs it. Um, having that kind of a loss really hurts. Uh, I was just going to keep it kind of a little touch local. Um, coming down the stretch here, what about Memphis's chances as far as uh, making a little run down the stretch? How do you uh, grade them, and where do you potentially grade them? Yeah, Memphis is in my first four out. Uh, boy, the, you know, the metrics hate them, or at least the margin of victory-based metrics hate them. Ken Palm, the net, you know, they're having mm -hmm. in the 70s, the resume. Uh, ones that don't consider margin of victory are more kind. But, you know, the, that four-game losing streak that started with blowing a big lead against South Florida really damaged uh, Memphis's profile. And unfortunately now, it means they about have to win out. I mean, there aren't a lot of games left they can afford to lose. They've got a two-game road trip with North Texas and SMU, and those are good teams. They're not tournament teams, but they're, they're good teams, and you got to play them on the road, and now you put yourself in a position where you really have to win those games. Uh, they still have home and home with Florida Atlantic left. 
they're probably going to have to split those games uh, at a minimum. And they can't afford to lose anyone else at this point. So they've really dug themselves a hole that was, you know, really kind of unnecessary. But, you know, they've, they've battled back. They've won, I think, three in a row now after that against lesser teams in this league. Uh, but those were the teams that were beating them before. So that's an improvement. Uh, but now we'll find out if Memphis is really right at the ship this weekend when they play uh, at North Texas at SMU. Jerry Palm of CBSSports.com joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, as he will be every Thursday between now and Selection Sunday. Really looking forward to um, continuing these conversations over the next few weeks, Jerry. But, um, you know, again, that, that South Carolina loss last night at Auburn by 40, uh, you've got them as a number. It, it's pretty amazing. You've got them as a number four in Salt Lake um, against 13 South Florida in the opening round. You know, um, I guess it's tough to penalize a team for one game. And what they've done over the long stretch of the season to this point has been really impressive, particularly yeah. for a team that didn't show you any signs of any of that last year. What do you like about this South Carolina team? Yeah, I, well, I like the I like their boxie a little bit, although we did it kind of went away last night. But um, you know, it's a it's a team that fights hard, and you know they're they're not going to lay down. Now Auburn beat them down last night, and that's just that's unfortunate. You know, the problem for them is the metrics don't like them because of the big margin losses to Alabama and now Auburn. Um, and the Georgia loss hurts them a little bit. Uh, but the, the resume-based metrics, it's like they're in the 50s in Ken Palm and in the net, but they're in the top 20 of uh, KPI and strength of record, which are non-margin of victory-based uh, results-oriented metrics. And the committee's process is results-oriented. So they're going to look at Auburn as a loss to Auburn, and they probably aren't going to look at it as a 40-point loss to Auburn. Um and that's something that works in their favor. It's it's really a results-oriented process. So, yeah, you had a bad night, uh, but you haven't had many of them because you're you're sitting there at 21 and four uh, with some good wins, including a win at Tennessee, uh, which I think is more important than a loss at Auburn, even a 40-point loss at Auburn. Jerry, if you are a power conference-focused college basketball fan, as with the exception of Middle Tennessee State, I am. Who is a team that I need to know about coming into the NCAA tournaments that I don't know about? Oh, that you don't know about? Hmm. Well, how about Michigan State? I mean, you know about Michigan State. They've been around forever, right, uh, in the NCAA tournament. But this team has not. They really, really struggled in non-conference play. Uh, they appear to have finally righted the ship a little bit. That's um, a it's a team that's it's a veteran team with some really talented youngsters that look like now they're just starting to figure out how to play together. And if that happens, this is a team that could go into the NCAA tournament with something like a six seven seed kind of a thing that you would not want to see in your bracket if you're the two or the three because that 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 team's got a lot of talent. They're well coached by a guy who knows how to win this tournament, uh, even if he hasn't done it in a while. Uh, I think that Michigan State's a, a team that doesn't normally fly under the radar, but this year I think might be flying under the radar a little bit. You've got them right now as a number eight 
taking on number nine Boise State in the opening round with the winner taking on the UConn Southern winner. Yeah, Is UConn, gonna, by it, the way, really, really good. Uh, mm-hmm. could, could defend that championship this year, uh, that level of good. It's, uh, they're, they're a tremendous team. They had some injury issues throughout the season. They're healthy now. Um, but even, you know, they were dinged up a little bit. They kept on chugging. And uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they do down the stretch of this season. They have Marquette home and home, uh, which is big for both of those teams because Marquette could make a push for the number one seed, the fourth number one, if they could split those games or, or especially with both of them. Uh, but that's asking a lot. You just go ahead and take the split if you can get it. Jerry Palm of CBS Sports, Bracketologist Supreme. Jerry, we appreciate your time, man. Hey, uh, sorry, oh, real quick, on. Jerry. I got to ask you, because uh, based on your, your background, I'm going to make a quick assumption here, but I got to ask you, fan, uh, take the bracketology hat off for just a moment, put the fan hat back on. Who's more likely to win a title this year, the Purdue Boilermakers or Man City, as I'm seeing your, uh, your scarf Ooh. in the background there? So Man oh, City's wow. in two, and Purdue's obviously been great this year. Uh, Who's more likely to come away with the title? Yeah, I'll say Man City because they don't have to do it in a tournament. Uh, they 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 were a little behind the uh, eight ball a little bit because Kevin De Bruyne missed so much time and Holland's been out a little bit. But healthy Manchester City is going to be really difficult to stop over the course of this season. I think they'll run down Liverpool and finish ahead. Purdue's got to win six games in in three weeks, and you know the vagaries of the NCAA tournament make that a more difficult task than what Manchester Manchester City has ahead of them. Makes sense. That's why you're the you're the man. That's it. <laughs> Jerry, we appreciate it, man. Look forward to seeing you next Thursday. All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Great stuff from Wade Neely, as always, working a little um, English football in there here on Main Just Street had Sports. had to sneak today. it in. He had, he, he had it right in front of me, and I was like, you know what? Uh, I was – he. I didn't really necessarily hear, and I got a great question I'm going to ask him uh, the next time we're on, but I didn't. Or write it down. Yeah, I didn't hear a ton about Purdue. I heard a lot about Man City, so I'm, I'm real curious what, what he thinks about his Boilermakers now. I think he's cautiously optimistic about his Boilermakers from following him both on Twitter at JP Palm CBS and at, um, on Facebook as well. I think he's cautiously optimistic about the Boilers. I think... I think he is kind of, it's kind of like Chris's BVS, battered ball syndrome. I think mm-hmm. there's a little bit of that with Jerry and Purdue. So, but you should certainly ask when we get him back on next week. Looking forward to that. Um, when we come back here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint, it's Throwback Thursday. We're going to kick it back to one of our favorite recent segments. So stay tuned. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. 
With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Your favorite wine tasting experience is back. The Hendersonville Rotary Club's Wine and Roses Fundraising Gala. Everything you loved and more. Saturday, March the 2nd. Prepare your taste buds for elegant wines, smooth whiskeys, craft beers, and exceptional food. Browse through the silent auction. All to benefit over 25 local charities, schools, and scholarships. Wine and Roses. Saturday, March the 2nd at Our Lady of the Lake Catholic Church, Hendersonville. HendersonvilleRotary.org. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Thrive under the lights. The city of performers. Putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Maurice Patton, Wade Neely, and now we're going to one of our favorite segments. It's Throwback Thursday, and last week we were able to visit with Tennessee Highway Patrol Lieutenant Benny Jennings, who was heading to Vegas for Super Bowl 58 to watch somebody. So take a listen.
Welcome into the second hour of Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Maurice Patton. That's Wade Neely. Um, we're going to be talking a little Super Bowl here in this segment. And so, of course, this segment is brought to you by Zen Sports. The big game is Sunday, and we know you must be excited not only to watch, but to make some bets as well. And if you like to bet props, head over to Zen Sports, where they are offering a ton of special prop bets exclusively for the game Sunday. Player props, game props, team props, you name it, they've got it. And Zen Sports is running a special promotion. If you make any five prop bets on the football game of at least $25 or more before kickoff, you will earn a $10 no-danger wager the following Monday. What's more is that you can request a prop bet if you don't see it on Zen Sports, and they will look to create it just for you. And for new customers, when you sign up for Zen Sports, you'll automatically earn up to a $1,000 no-danger first wager. If your first bet loses, you'll be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to a $1,000 maximum within 24 hours. Maximum odds are plus 500. And there's even more good news. Zen, Zen Sports has the top VIP rewards program, which allows top-tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is by invite only, so if you feel that your Zen Sports play qualifies for VIP consideration, please check out the program details and apply at zensports.com VIP. So what are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zensports.com today. Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. No danger wager limited to plus 500 odds to qualify. Must be 21 or over and in Tennessee to bet. Zen Sports. Betting just got easier. Just got better. Excuse me. Betting just got better. And as long as we're on the Bs. Well, first off, the big game Sunday, as we just mentioned, Always a Nashville connection, right, Wade? Yep. Every year seems like we some years we got to really kind of hunt, but this year seemed like it was it was too easy. It's relatively obvious. Jim Wyatt of the Tennessee Titans is on the ground in Vegas, and he dug up. Well, I don't know if he dug it up or not, but he came up with one of the Nashville connections. Obviously, um, spent a little time with. 49ers receiver Jawan Jennings and we've got a video interview with him so let's hear what Jawan has to say it's just a blessing uh extremely amazing and uh just uh, just representing um everybody from Tennessee representing the 49ers and I have a lot of family out here um everybody's rooting for me and I just can't wait to bring you back to Tennessee yeah. about it and um I used to tell myself as a kid, all I got to do is just keep going to work every day. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's my life now, just going to work Monday through Sunday. That was Jawan Jennings out in Vegas for Sunday's game against Kansas City. Also in Vegas on Sunday will be Jawan's dad, Benny Jennings, Tennessee Highway Patrol Lieutenant Benny Jennings joining us now here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Benny, we were kind of hoping you'd show up in uniform just to be a little bit more intimidating. <laughs> well, uh, I I'm glad to be with you guys. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I try to spend as much time out of that uniform as I can. <laughs> <these days. laughs> I, I understand. I understand. Um, busy week for you because you're going to be flying out this evening is that right that's correct it's been a, a busy week at work trying to wrap things up and uh 
uh, get ready for this weekend. So I, I still got a lot to do this evening and uh, in the next few hours before we get out of here. But, uh, but yeah, been a busy week. Looking forward to it, though. Oh, I bet you are. I bet you are. And, um, you know, we talk about Jawan playing in the Super Bowl, but, you know, this is one of those apple didn't fall far from the tree kind of thing. <laughs> Benny is a 2009 University of North Alabama Hall of Fame inductee, so we kind of know a little bit about where Jawan got his talent from. So, <laughs> you know, just, just want to – just just want to get that out there you you had a little game too right well that's what they say i guess <laughs> you know i i have to be humble about it uh you know I, it's just football and basketball all sports really just came natural to me and uh as a kid growing up in lincoln county uh it was just something to do for us back then but then you know it turned serious serious having had the career that you had does that make what you're watching your son do even more special you know i don't think um necessarily having the career i had makes it special i think it just being a parent is what makes it special you know uh we all of our kids have, have excelled in sports and in the classroom so that's just a special thing to us and uh that's something we strive for for one from day one Benny, as you go into this week, uh, so much obviously of the hoopla, the Super Bowl gets talked about with the players. And I guess I'm just curious for you as a father of somebody competing in such a on such a stage, uh, kind of how have your emotions been this week? And it, uh, just walk us through that process uh, as you get ready to leave tonight. Oh, man, these last three weeks, uh, my emotions been all over the place. Uh, just happy for him and uh, just ecstatic that he gets this opportunity to showcase his talents on the world stage because, you know, at, uh, during the regular season, you know, it's, it's seen all over the world, but this is the Super Bowl, so that changes things. Um, so we're just um, – sometimes we're just at a loss for words, you know, even even to just make it to this game. This, this is just out of this world for us, for us and our whole family. Yeah, kind of looking back on the 49ers postseason run just the last couple of weeks, uh, I kind of wish we had a camera uh, on you during those games because they've been through uh, some crazy uh, couple of games there with Green Bay and then Detroit, obviously. Uh, yeah. Uh, the last game, the Detroit game, you know, I, I was never not nervous at one point in the game. Um, I always thought they would they had a great team and that they could come back and win, and just so happened they did. Now the Green Bay game, oh, it drained me. I I think I paced the, the the stadium while during the whole game, and and as a matter of fact, after that game, uh, my wife and I we got back to the hotel, and she said, "You want to go get something to eat?" And I'm like, "No, I got to go to bed." I was so emotionally drained that Green Bay game because it was a it was a game they were supposed to win, but I got nervous after they beat the. Uh, Green Bay beat Dallas, and I thought, oh, man, this is going to be uh, tougher than it's supposed to be. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I was wondering if you were going to mention Dallas at all in this conversation because prior to 
Jawan going out to the West Coast. Our guest was one of the biggest Dallas Cowboy fans you would meet. Oh, um, gosh. And those, those allegiances have, have been tested, to say the least, here over the last few years. Man, they have been tested. I, you know, I was, I, I grew up a Dallas fan. Uh, even when I spent a little time as a free agent in uh, Tampa, signed with them out of college, and then uh, I was still rooting for Dallas while I was there, you know. But uh, you know, and even the night he got drafted, all I could think about, all I could think about, or picture was seeing Dwight Clark catching that pass in the end zone to beat Dallas that year. But uh, it's it's been a great game as uh, all these years. Uh, 49ers in Dallas, um, and it made it a lot more special this year. And um, especially when they played them, uh, uh, those were some great, some good games and the great times. How many games have you made this year? How, I've How lost... many games have you missed this year? How's that? Yeah, I've, I, I think we've made eight games this year. And that's a lot, you know, um, being here in Nashville, uh, that's a lot of flying. So we've racked up quite a few miles, you know, this year. But it's all been fun. We're tired, though. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be glad when the season's over with, too, huh? Yes, I'm glad this is the last game and and uh, what a what a game it is. It's going to be. You know, he's, he's had a great year, Benny, and, and starting to really kind of come into his own here in his third full professional season they've got a nickname for him out there now third and Jawan. he only had one catch against the packers i mean I'm, I'm sorry against detroit but it was a third down conversion right they for somebody whose numbers aren't necessarily prolific he holds a pretty prolific role in that offense it seems like yes he does and and he embellishes that you know he just uh he's one of those guys that uh, he knows his role, and he's going to do it the best of, to the best of his ability. Uh, he's one of those guys that plays until the, he hears the whistle. Sometimes he, sometimes he may not hear the whistle, but he plays the, <laughs> he hears the whistle. Uh, but he's always been like that as a kid. And um, you know they're so loaded on the offense out there, and for him to go in there, I, in his mind, he's the number one receiver. But you know, and they may not see that. So, but the great thing for them is they got a number three receiver that acts like a number one. So, you know, and that's the mindset that he has. Yeah, it seems like he's um, flourishing uh, this year as we get into uh, what should be a fantastic game on Sunday. And I guess another question kind of for you as a parent in this game, Benny, uh, has your routine, I know the parents probably have a routine just like the players do uh, leading up or superstitions leading up to the game. Have you changed anything during the postseason? And how has your contact uh, with Juwan kind of been this week leading up to such a big stage? Uh, routine has not changed. Uh, uh, <laughs> it, it's pretty much been the same. Uh, so we're, we're going to keep it the same as, as far as what I wear. Wear a pair of jeans and his jersey and – a pair of Jordans. I got I got a new pair of Jordans, so I wear those, and uh, that's it for me. So it's going to be fun as that. Uh, I've talked to him two or three times this week. He's he's in a good mindset, which he he always is, and um, um, can't wait to get out there. And hopefully, uh, we'll we'll get to see him tomorrow. Spend a little time with him before, 
and mm -hmm. then uh, most definitely we'll get to see him after the game, win or lose. It's awesome. Um, THP Lieutenant Benny Jennings of the Tennessee Highway Patrol joining us here on Main Street Sports today as we talk a little Super Bowl. Yeah, what are your thoughts about the game, Benny? I mean, obviously, uh, Kansas City, the, the defending Super Bowl champ, they had their struggles midseason, but they seem to have kind of come out of those. Obviously, it's going to be a great ball game, but but how do you feel like this goes? I'm sure you're picking San Francisco, but, you know, from a football standpoint, what are your thoughts? Well, from a football standpoint, I, I really think uh, you've got – and you always say never bet against Patrick Mahomes, um, one of the best quarterbacks I've ever – had the privilege to see play. Um, he's just so good. Now, he doesn't have quite the weapons he's had in the past, but uh, one thing I've noticed about uh, Kansas City is that their defense has really come on in these in the playoffs, and the defensive line is, is uh, really good. They're really performing well. And no matter whether you're playing Pop Warner football or you're playing professional football, Games are won on the offense and defensive lines, so that's that's going to be a key there. And uh, I just think San Francisco they they've got a great offense. They got on the line, they got the backs. Brock Purdy's doing well, and plus their receivers. And on uh, San Fran's defense, I really like the defensive line. They're they're doing what they have to do at, at times, but I think the strong point on the 49ers is. Uh, will be the defensive backs uh, on that defense. So I think it's going to be a real good game. Uh, of course, I am pulling for San Fran. Um, I will say this. I'm not nervous this week. I don't feel like I felt the Green Bay game. Mm -mm. That that could be trouble. <laughs> Never nervous Benny right here. Um, well, we'll be watching from a little different vantage point than you on Sunday, but um, – Congratulations to Juwan, obviously, and, and good luck to him. And um, look forward to seeing how Sunday goes. Benny Jennings joining us here on Main Street Sports today, man. We appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate y'all just uh, making time for me. And, uh, hey, I like what you do, and uh, it's been a blast. And uh, well, go 49ers. <laughs> That's well, it. Hey, we appreciate you making time for us, and, and I'll see you um, back out at the Ag Expo here in a couple of weeks, I guess, probably with some swag on. So um, look forward to that. Yes, you will. I'll have to hide the swag since I'll be working, but uh, we'll, we'll it'll be shown. We'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> All hey, right. man. Thanks. Have a good trip. Thank you, guys. Thank All you, right. Benny. I'm Maurice Patton, and on Main Street Sports Today, we bring you the voices of your favorite teams from preps to pros. Um, otherwise known as the VOT, Mike Keith. The, the bottom line is, we can teach Will Levis woke. I just don't know who's going to work with you on your base stealing now that he was. <laughs> well, that has nowhere to go but up. And I was just like, oh, guys, not again. Can we just bury that, burn that footage, and not bring it back? No. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll uh, we'll keep it going past the All-Star break. And uh, looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season plays out. There's always a good story to tell. 
Can you guess where I am today, Mo? Where where am I? It's it's Reece not Smith, Reece Smith Field, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Because anytime you play Chicago, you want to win. That's you, just you got that right. And that's <laughs> be a buzz. when you're walking the dog, you keep the bags that you need for the dog in the bag and you don't even have to wear it. You can just hold it, which is what I do when I walk the dog. So I think I think the fanny pack probably needed a little rebranding. <laughs> it did. So, it really did. Um, it, it, on your show logo, we've got to get a puck in there. There's a basketball, there's a oh. there's a baseball. Maybe mm-hmm. it's not a puck. How about Mo brandishes a hockey stick? Tune in daily at 2 p.m. on Main Street Media TV. Welcome back to the final segment of the Prep Thursday edition of Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Maurice Patton. That's Wade Neely. Thanks again to Benny Jennings for joining us before he headed out to Vegas. I know the trip wasn't exactly what he was hoping for, but I'm sure it was still a fantastic time out there. And, um, and as we spoke earlier this week, Jawan now one of two players to catch a touchdown pass and throw a touchdown pass in a Super Bowl. That's crazy. Anytime you are one of two at something at that level, that's, I mean, he's going to be the answer to a trivia question for probably a long time. Yeah, and and what a performance. Uh, that You know, that throw, that play began a little shaky. It, it, was, a, it was a lot shaky. He had to make a heck of a throw. Yeah, I mean, you had to absolutely wind up, and then you find C-Mac on the other side, and he's wide open. And at that point, you know, it looks great. But when the play began, I did not uh, think we'd end up talking about Jawan throwing a touchdown. And, uh, yeah, poor performance. And like we've discussed, you know, he was he was right there in the MVP discussion coming down uh, until the very late stages of the game there. Very late stages of the game, absolutely. So, um, yeah. Again, thanks to Benny Jennings for joining us. And um, final segment, it's the grab bag. We need to kind of tie up some loose ends before we get out of here in about 15 minutes or so. So Wade, let's start with a couple of, a couple of subjects that will kind of be near and dear to your heart in particular. I heard yesterday that Josh Hader has been announced as the Houston Astros closer. Josh Hader, who signed a huge free agent deal with the Astros over this offseason. I don't think anybody ever thought he came in to be anything other than the closer, did they? I don't necessarily think so, although Presley, uh, Ryan Presley, that is, uh, had done a bang up job for Houston for a couple of seasons, but yeah, when you get a guy like Hater, that's kind of what you're anticipating. And if, if nothing else, now as long as it, it flows smoothly and you know everybody's cool with the sitch, then uh, Presley's going to be your setup man. And then yeah, you give it to Hater in the night. Um, so maybe not uh, particularly uh, shocking news in that sense, because yeah, once you get a guy like that, you presume that's going to be your your uh, nail down guy and so good move and uh 
decent move for Houston's bullpen for sure. Hey, uh, Presley, Ryan Presley had been Houston's closer since 2020. And according to this article on, on MLB.com, is one of six relievers to compile at least 100 saves since 2020. Two-time All-Star in 19 and 21. He's got 90 saves over the past three years. Perfect 14 of 14 on save opportunities in the postseason, including getting the, the save in game six of the 2022 World Series. So um, it's not like they were shoring up a deficiency when they went out and got Josh Hader. But I guess at the same time, when you have the opportunity to upgrade, mm -hmm. as it were, that's what you do. So, um, And they've got another good kid in the bullpen, Brian Abreu, who's only 26. He's probably going to be, I guess, now your seventh inning guy. So it's uh, setting up kind of nicely. Shades of uh, Lidge, Dotel, and Wagner from uh, the early 2000s era, maybe there. Man, you're, you're, you're testing some folks' memories with that throwback. Hayter's a five-time All-Star. He signed a five-year $95 million contract um, in mid to late January. So again, um, we'll turn 30 a week into April, on April 7th. Presley's mm -hmm. 35. Again, 102 saves over the past four years. So, you know, maybe you're getting younger at that position. Um, maybe the lefty-righty, but, you know, again, it wasn't like Presley has struggled, but <laughs> if you're giving a guy $19 million a year, you're not bringing him in to set up. No, no. So, uh, and the good news is, obviously, if something crazy happens and one of them gets injured, then you got uh, some real uh, viable options there as a backup. No doubt. Regardless of who it was to get injured, maybe. Yeah. Um. Wade, I'm not sure if you heard this or not, but your Wolverines have a new linebackers coach. With some familiar ties, I hear. Right, slightly. Brian Jean Mary is leaving Josh Heupel's staff at the University of Tennessee to um, go to work with Sharon Moore up at Michigan. So, now he had been at Michigan in 2020 before coming to UT the following year. He'd been here since. So um, going back to some familiar territory, second UT assistant in as many days to leave the staff. Running backs coach Jerry Mack has joined the Jacksonville Jaguars as their new running backs coach. But um, Sharon Moore continuing to build up his staff and gets a get somebody that he's familiar with, I guess, who, again, has some familiarity with the program in the area. Yeah, I think uh, Moore probably didn't anticipate having to add. I think he knew, obviously, he was going to have to add some pieces, but Harbaugh took quite a bit uh, with, with him to uh, almost at San Diego, but to uh, Los Angeles there. So Don't uh, feel bad. I've done that on more than one occasion. So No, um, no doubt. Yeah. And so they add him. Uh, we just got done talking about Wink Martindale. Um, a couple shows ago, I think it was two weeks ago, but he's now going to be the new defensive coordinator, which is good for Michigan in a sense. He probably won't stay long, but he essentially is going to get to carry over uh, the same defensive scheme uh, that Mentor had had kind of built, which is kind of that Baltimore Ravens scheme. So Martindale is coming in. So Moore's kind of, kind of finalizing 
his staff, which is uh, kind of good. Like I said, it was hopefully going to get to keep a few more pieces, but he's, he's making the best of what he's got. Yeah. Um, staying in the college football realm, it was announced, I guess, a couple of days ago that um, ESPN and the college football playoff have reached an agreement that will make the world leader in sports television the home of the 12-team CFP through the 2031-32 season for an additional six years and 7.8 billion with a B dollars. Yeah. Um, According to this article on The Athletic, ESPN has two years remaining on the current deal. And then the six year extension will cost 1.3 billion a year. That final two years is 608 million. So they are basically doubling, I guess, their payout once the extension kicks in. So, and, ES- and the cool thing, uh, sorry, and I was gonna say the cool thing with this, I guess, is you're gonna get those on-campus games, which uh, it'll be real interesting to see how the ratings eventually come in because you kind of just assume that anything college football playoff branded is gonna get uh, massive eyeballs. But if you kind of get not the greatest matchup and it's on campus. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be curious, but if you do get some great matchups in the earlier rounds, you could end up, you know, like NFL playoffs where the ratings just continue to climb throughout right. the whole postseason there. Uh, this is interesting. Over the course of the contract, ESPN will have the ability to sub-license games, meaning another network or digital player could air playoff games but it would be at Disney-owned ESPN's discretion. So they could farm something out. I, it sounds like ESPN kind of has first right of refusal okay, I like to that. everything. So if, if they want to offload something, they can, I guess. So now with this, ESPN will have control over pretty much all college sports championships except the men's basketball tournament. So, and so, I'm assuming, and so I'm assuming this right too. Uh, if Notre Dame is hosting a game, Ooh. it's still on ESPN. Is that right? So uh, I would assume so. That's that's a heck of a question. I'm I'm sure they addressed that. Well, okay. The CFP Management Committee, which is made up of all ten FBS commissioners and Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick. Oh, they're talking about the five point, uh, the the model, whether it be a um, five seven or six six. This um, there's no mention of how this TV rights affects Notre Dame or if it affects Notre Dame. But I, I can't imagine there being an exception to it for Notre Dame. I don't know why I can't imagine it. They make exceptions for Notre Dame all the time, but. Yeah, I I'm, can't. Just, I'm just visualizing uh, the NBC execs uh, or whoa, Peacock whoa. execs, you know, enraged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Understandably. Yeah. That's um, it's an interesting question. I'm surprised it hasn't come up any sooner. Maybe it has. Maybe we missed it. Um, college football rules committee to discuss two-minute warning. What it can mean for the sport. Hmm. What does it mean for the sport? 
You know, that's a great question. And <laughs> we, your immediate thought is we just kind of instituted some rules to kind of speed the game up. <laughs> and, you know, we saw so many games this year, virtually any game that was close late, the announcers had to kind of almost let the fans know again why the clock was continuing to continuing run after to run. first downs and stuff. So uh, now all of a sudden, now we're just trying to pump the brakes a little bit. Um, Maybe they realize that they need to get some extra, uh, some extra commercials in there. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, that could be, you know, some execs getting in and saying, you know, hey, we didn't quite get, we're maybe one break shy, and so how can we institute that a two minute warning? Now, is this going to be a two minute warning for both halves, or just the second half, or I, I wonder how that works. Um, I, I don't. I don't know, but I will say this, uh, you know, college basketball is the one that, that really gets a lot of the attention and kind of grinds my gears, but I don't, I don't necessarily like that we have to have a different set of rules. High school, obviously a little bit different. I kind of understand that, but if most of your uh, end goal or end game is to get these kids playing at the next level, why don't we just run at the same rules as the NFL? And I guess maybe this is a way to kind of get that just a touch closer. Hmm. That's Certainly an interesting concept. I mean, I don't know other than, you know, the timeout for more commercials. I'm not sure exactly what the significance is of the two minute warning on the field, because I mean, we cover a lot of high school football, obviously. There's no two minute warning in high schools. I, I just don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know the significance of it. Mm hmm. So hopefully somebody smarter than me anyway can, can help us understand that because right now I don't. Um, Wade, by the end of the night, Caitlin Clark will be the all-time women's college basketball scoring leader. And I say that because Iowa plays Michigan tonight and Caitlin is eight points away from breaking the record. I would say pretty good chance she's going to get that. Uh, and, you know, a lot of folks had thought maybe she would kind of eclipse this mark a game or two ago, but uh, it's going to come probably against the Wolverines tonight. And yet, well, just unbelievable career and just – She's just a phenom in every sense of the word, and she's she's going to go down as uh, one of the absolute very best to ever do it, and so kind of a cool mark, even if it does uh, come at the uh, expense of my Wolverines tonight. Now, unfortunately, you're going to have to work to see it because the game is being streamed on Peacock. Mm, they don't make it easy, do they? No, clearly not. She has 3,520 points. Kelsey Plum is the all-time leader with 3,000 527 points from 2013 to 2017 at Washington. So again, uh, I, I think it's when tonight, not if Caitlin Clark breaks his record. Now, what will be a little easier to see than that is South Carolina at Tennessee, the unbeaten Gamecocks 23 and 0, Tennessee 15 and 8, 8 and 3 in SEC play, but they've won their last seven on campus. So, um, that one will be on at 6 Central on ESPN. Again, Iowa and Michigan at 7 
Central on Peacock. Good luck finding it. Um, that's going to do it for the Thursday edition of Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Join us tomorrow at 2 o'clock, where we'll, we will be visiting with Terry McCormick for the Titans update, among other things. See you then.